Hello, it's Graham Cove with another My Music. In a few seconds time, I will be speaking to my friend Warren here. But first, we're going to look at this little clip of this man playing with his laptop. I need to get going, Mel. See you later. And now with our posture all suitably adjusted, thanks to the wonderful Next Dan who sponsored this, uh, I can talk to Warren. Warren, thanks for joining me today. Thank you, Graham. Thanks for having me. It's uh, great to be here. And I must admit, I quite like that that thing. I might be one of the customers for that next. That's a yeah. great little gadget for the laptop. Yeah, everything's good with us. Just releasing the new records. We're excited and getting all the promos kind of taken off at the moment. Tell, tell everyone, um, if they have never heard of you before what what's the name of the band where, where did the name come from because it's an interesting name yeah well, the, the band's called starry skies it's made up of seven people we have kind of the usual bass drums vocals and guitar but we also slightly different we have cello violin and viola which gives a kind of big sound for some of the songs uh the name came from kind of partly to do with the song vincent by don mclean starry starry night and also Starry Skies is mentioned in a Waterboys song. So I think maybe just all these things filtered through. And at one point, I, I was looking for the name for the band and somebody just said Starry Skies. And that was it. It was, that was That's been what we've been called for the last number of years. Wow, wonderful. And how did the band get together? Well, we made our record called Ask the Animals way, way back in the realms of time, way back in like, you know, like 2013 or 14 or something. And then we then we did this bizarre thing as a group. We, we I love Nina Simone. So we decided to do this bizarre kind of tribute to Nina Simone in the bigger, biggest concert hall and one of the biggest concerts in Scotland called the, uh, the Glasgow Royal Concert Hall. So we did this big kind of tribute to Nina Simone, which took us about a year or something to get it all together. It was a sellout, it was good, but that kind of delayed the second album. So it took us about four years to do the second album. And then after that, we can release an album every two years now. Well, that, that's good though. I mean, it's good not to go straight into a, a sofa more or, you know, whatever, yeah. you know, but I mean, Nina Simone, what, what a beautiful thing to do. I mean, I, 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 I can understand that. Well, I met the reason for that was I met Lena Simone when I was a kid. Wow, which was bizarre. Actually, it gives more wow because I actually danced with her bizarrely. I was at a concert, I was really young, and and she reached down. And she says, "Which one are you?" Like men, she pointed to all these really fancy seats right at the front. You know, it was all the kind of like the really yeah. Fun. She was going to dance dance with me tonight or something like that, and. I was like sitting there and I was just a massive fan. I just love her voice. And I don't know what overtook me because although I am a front person, a singer, I'm quite shy as well a lot, you know. So it's not like me to do what I did, did that night, which was I was with this girl and it was kind of on a date. And she, she said afterwards, she looked and she went to turn to say to me, like, look to the left to say, oh, what do you make of that? And she looked and I was gone. And I was like running down the aisle. We were right at the back, running down the aisle and just ran down the front and just literally. She was saying, so no one's going to dance with me. And I just jumped up the stage and I was on the stage. And and then she danced. She was like, okay, we danced this song and stuff. And then at the very end, she came over and she just kind of touched me and said, thanks. And so that's anyway, that's the reason why we've bizarrely done this Nina Simone concert. Because I've just always been a fan. And we'd done one song for a show in this place called the Grand Old Opry. And I really enjoyed doing the song. I didn't really want to, yeah, I just was 
you can't really better Nina Simone's song. So we done it as a kind of a celebration of her. But it was great with Justin Curry from that band, uh, Delamitri, as a, Justin's a friend. He came up oh, and yeah. did a duet with me. It was quite funny. He actually he turned up on stage in his concert hall and he put on this bizarre-looking dress just as a rope. So Justin Curry kind of walked on and completely threw me. Uh, but yeah, it was it was a good experience. But anyway, since then we've been more focused on our own things, and again we're now promoting the new album, which is called Small Wonders. Oh, what a story! You know, I, I mean, I have people on that that have their little stories, but that's a great one. That's a really, really good one. And I mean, why wouldn't you jump on stage with uh, Nina Simone? I mean, you know, no, why nobody else was doing it. You know, nobody yeah. else. Was doing it. <laughs> well, that's the, that's the main reason to do it, my friend. That's always yeah. the main reason to it. What yeah. what got you interested in music in the first place? I mean, did you grow up around music or or you well, know? I think you know, I didn't know we. I wasn't aware of it until a number of years ago. But the mum and dad usually people's parents. They stuck on some records, so with the Beatles, some Elvis and things. But uh, so it was kind of Elvis first, like an Elvis bizarrely years ago when I was a wee teeny wee boy that I first kind of thought that's a good job, you know, like every fancy cars and all these things. So that'd be good fun. But bizarrely, it turns out that my family, the way I lived now when I was a really young kid, or a baby in Prospect Hill Road. So for one reason or other, there was a lot of kind of quite well known really old school from generations before musicians used to come down because used to have loads of parties in the house and my mum and dad were kind of part of I suppose you'd loosely call the kind of folk scene so you'd people like that band Ginger Baker guy called the drummer from Cream and who yeah. Jerry Lafferty, who's a really famous kind of singer and a lot of these people would have been at parties and had the guitars out you know and uh, yeah and I recently did a little trip around kind of Germany Italy and I, I visited a family friend called Martin Hind. And Martin's, again, a good bit older than me, but Martin was telling me all the stories of, like, yeah, Jerry Rafferty was there, and he was been there in your house, and all these stories. He told me the story of how Baker Street was, strange, this was only a few weeks ago, he told me how the story of Baker Street was written, that really famous song, and he said, he, he went through all the lines, and he said, that was that guy, Ian, and that was so-and-so, he was a pal of your dad's, and he went through all the, and I was like, oh, really? So that was great, that was in Frankfurt. I went away, we can re-trap recently, so yeah. So I, strange times. Yeah, it sounds like we should actually, or it feels like we should be listening to Baker Street now, or or, or some of the no. songs <laughs> by the people that you're mentioning. and Exactly, so that you can re recall the, the story over the top of it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Marvellous, oh, wow. You're full of you're full of stories. So I should really be talking about the new album. I'm really bad. No, 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 no. Let's forget on radio and podcasts and things that you don't. I I will make sure we or something. I will make sure we talk about the new album. Don't worry about that at all. But let's go. Let's go back to that. So, so you were surrounded by music, but when when did it actually start to dawn on you that this was part of your life? I suppose I got a, a. I was about thirteen years old, and I, I was played in a band, uh, and I played drums in a band, and I wasn't a very good drummer. In fact, I was pretty hopeless. I. How did you start then? <laughs> I started because I, I guess a friend was playing the guitar or something. It was it was kind of thing. We'll put a band together, and I ended up playing hat boxes. It was actually like somebody's granny had all these old hat boxes. I mean, who knew such a thing? But these things and top of our wardrobe, and I would play those, and then eventually I got a drum kit. Yeah, I wasn't really good well, at drums. Dave Grohl started on pillows. 
it doesn't it yes i think i used pillows as well but so never good as dave blow he's a great drummer so i was pretty rubbish and then i, I sang one song in the group called the revs and then years later a friend of my family came by with her son and her son had been for a guitar lesson and he played a song called wild thing by it was by a band called Trogs. It's an old sixties classic. And people yep. know, it goes, "Wow, thing, do, 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 do. you make my heart sing." So it's this kind of classic rock and roll song. It probably actually spawned or kind of inspired. I mean, hundreds of thousands of groups probably that song because it's just such a kind of cliche rock and roll song. But anyway, he played that on his acoustic guitar when he came round visiting the house, and I was just hooked. I was just really transfixed, and I was like, "Wow." And uh, so I, like, and I got my dad. My dad got me an acoustic guitar for my birthday a few months later. And I started kind of playing quite obsessively. And ever since then, since I was 15, I kind of, yeah, just obsessively write, writing songs and mm. enjoying the social aspect of it. And as a result, I've ended up organising lots, hundreds and hundreds of events for other songwriters. So you get to know a lot of people. So it's a very rewarding thing to be involved in. It's quite interesting you mentioned the, the Trog song because... I, I always see that as a little bit of a, it's a, almost a bit of an anti-sing song, if you know what I mean. It's uh, not, it's not, a, it's not a great, you know, technical no. vocal performance. But maybe that's, I think, in some ways, it's songs like that that encourage people because it's like, yeah, I can kind of do that, you know. I can put it. That's the yeah. ethos of kind of punk, really, isn't it? The yeah. end of doing, you didn't need this real skill. But you're right about Wild Thing. It's such a simple song because anybody, you can play it in three chords, three chords, I think, and it's really easy to play. I don't know if you play an instrument, but it's mm, really yeah, straightforward to play, so you can play it quickly, so you can get a result. And But I actually met Chip Taylor. He wrote another song that's really famous called Angel of the Morning. And had you know his, his niece is Angelina do you see her name, Angelina Brad Pitt's ex Angelina Jolie? Yeah, I can never pronounce her name. Yes, yeah, he's her uncle. But so I went, it's true, it just as an other interesting aside, interesting to me anyway. I went to see him, I saw him advertise like Chip Taylor, the man who wrote Wild Thing and all these famous songs. And he was playing in this little kind of place nearby where I live, Mogai is nearby. And he was playing in this little hall. And honestly, there was like 25, 30 people there. And he played Wild Thing and he this band and the guy in the band, the one that his guitarist typically played really dire straight, I don't know, these big stadium bands. And it was just, it was kind of actually very, what's the word, it was grounding and also it was really good for the ego to see a guy like Chip Taylor who was so, wrote so many famous songs and to see him playing to 30 people, it made me think, God, if Chip Taylor will play to 30 people, I should be happy to play to one person or two people, you know? So if ever we do a gig and there's hardly anybody in the audience, I wouldn't let it put me off after seeing Chip. I, I think those those little songs, though, those simple little songs really capture the imagination. I mean, when I started learning to play guitar, I was very lucky. Uh, we were in a band at the time. I was a singer. Mm -hmm. And um, I... I'd left it to everybody else for, for years, but I got quite frustrated with that because mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like they would say, shut, don't touch the guitars. Don't touch them. <laughs> you know, they're ours. So um, I fit, when I fit, when I finished with the band that I was in, I, I spent about six weeks learning to play the guitar, but I was around, um, we were being managed at the time by Hilton Valentine. Oh, wow. From the animals. So he taught me how to play House of the Rising Sun, which was very wow. interesting. Wow. Wow. Well, I do need to talk more about it. That's absolutely amazing because that 
that guitar line is, and people hear it in House of the Rising Sun is quite an easy song to play the chords, but it's really hard to play that guitar line properly. I've tried doing it with the harmonica as well. It's really hard. So you could talk the guitar line. That is amazing. Yeah. There you go. So, what happened. so how did he end up in management? Uh, well, because uh, he, we were, he was hanging around the Sunderland area. Um, mm -hmm. And you know that his bandmate was a, a prolific manager um yeah. but yeah he just i don't i don't even know our bass player knew him right okay brilliant. yeah our bass player knew him and 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 he ended up coming to uh one of our gigs and said yeah i'll help you fantastic that's really good so yeah. a, a lovely lovely thing um, there you go now yep. your sound sir your sound mm -hmm. you're coming back to to today and mm -hmm. and the, the latest album, etc. Your sound. I mean, it's when you put it on. The first thing I heard was passenger. Okay. okay. Yeah, I yeah. heard. Uh, you know, there's there's that there's a little bit of a twang there from the voice. There's that kind of pop but folk sensibility, etc. And I was thinking, is this going to is this going to sound like a passenger album? All right. Uh, and I hope that's not that doesn't upset well, you. it doesn't because I've never heard anything by passenger. This is a good education because again, I'm yeah, I'm not as I've got friends who just know everything by everybody. And when you said passenger, they'd have told you the best song by passenger from the best album and told you all these facts. I'm just I think my brain's like a sieve. And then it, it, I, I couldn't tell you one passenger song, so I don't know whether or not I'll maybe leave this and then come and listen to passenger and then be terribly insulted, or I won't, or I'll be terribly flattered. But well, I don't know. Like, I love all music. Go. There you go. So, so I was thinking, I was thinking passenger, but then yeah. then we start going through it, and I'm thinking, well, my goodness, bits of this could be Finn Lizzy, bits of this could be, uh, you know, ba bands like Jet. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, this is, I mean, it, it's sonically it's quite diverse isn't it oh yeah definitely yeah very it's all the word eclectic is a word that's been used before and it can be a challenge and i used to always kind of see the you always try to see the positive things but i used to think it's difficult because it is so different i mean like track one you're right it's a kind of acoustic number it's quite reflective it was written during covid actually and it was quite an emotional song to write at the time because it was actually written during the time and it's not, it doesn't sound like a sad song. It's quite a hopeful song. No, it doesn't at all. But, but see that line about like, and if you fall down low with no one by your side, remember you can fly across all distance in your mind. That was actually written about when you were hearing these terrible stories about people were like saying goodbye to their loved ones with laptops and stuff like that. You know, it was that's kind of, so it started off, I've been listening to Elliot Davis, it started off being quite sad and then turning out. But you're right, so there's that song that's reflective. Then the next song's like, Kind of quite pop punk like jet it's almost like the undertones or something quite up tempo and then the next one's quite folky dylany i suppose kind of thing yeah. So, yeah they are very very varied and they keep on varying so i thought it was negative because it means that it's quite hard to put it in a set genre so if you're tagging on playlists or other things but i think it's positive because the songs are all of a pretty good quality because matt's such a good producer and as a result, it means that we've been getting played in breakfast shows, lunchtime shows, Americana shows, indie shows, afternoon shows. So it's, I suppose that's a positive thing. We've had quite a, a broad appeal. But yeah, we're certainly not. I mean, what would you, if you had to say, like, what are Starry Skies? What kind of music do they play? What would you say in two words? In two words? 
All right, a few oh, words, a few oh words. My <laughs> word. Sorry, sorry. Sorry, whatever way, maybe once you want I'd say I'd say it's like listening to um it's like listening to all of your the the sort of best melodic bits of your album collection with different tones. There we go. Yeah. yeah. So you know what I mean? It's quite difficult. It's quite. It's really quite difficult. Yeah. It's really. I mean, quite you change your music as well. It's quite difficult. I'm like, what are we indie folk? I suppose. So I suppose the term we have to pick is indie folk because that's the best. Yeah. But we've been very lucky. There's been some amazing. Uh, the big takeover in New York, that's a big American music magazine, they gave us a, I was, I was blushing reading the review they gave us last week of it, it was like, it couldn't actually have been any better if I'd written it myself, I was quite shocked, so we've been really lucky, we've had, it's not been like, went against us, thankfully, so yeah. I, I, I think the thing that comes over very strongly is the quality, of, as you said, the quality of the songs, the quality of the songwriting is fantastic, I mean, they, they are they're memorable little melodies yeah and that's really important you know and and i love the fact that um you've got the kind of juxtaposition in there of uh sort of melancholy and and happiness in terms of i mean i'm just reading uh johnny mars autobiography at the moment oh, and, and, yeah, and you know you, um a couple of nights ago he was talking about you know when he wrote um this charming man you know uh -huh. and you, you some of their songs that you know they were known as kind of miserablest <laughs> you were but actually some of the some of his little guitar lines like this charming man such a beautiful upbeat oh, guitar sound yeah you know? we've well, actually you see you've got a sad song that's just got something about it that takes away from being just kind of miserable yeah i mean this charming man's not really a sad song but you're right they did get that reputation and loads of the stuff is uplifting so we're lucky is that i, mean, I appreciate the, the kind words about the songwriting that that's the thing that i like most is songwriting so i, I really appreciate that i must say though whenever i can i have to give credit to matt harvey because he was the guy who produced it for us uh, and i mean see when you listen to the songs there's all these different wee noises, and I hear them sometimes. I could, I was listening to this on the other day, I could hear this wee clicking noise at one point, and I thought, what is that? And then I was, it's some kind of block, and it's some kind of percussion thing, but I'd never noticed it before, and it was certainly not me that put it on there, put it that way, but there's loads of things like that, that at some point Matt's went, right, during that wee teeny section, something needs to go in, like, so I need to do a wee yeah, like yeah. that will just take it along to that next section. So he done all that stuff, and he wrote the strings lines, and Matt's a very talented guy, you know. It is very well produced, very oh, well yes. produced because it, it's oh. uh, it's sonically very big in areas, um, you know, uh, yeah. and and where it's it's sensitive um, production because where it just needs to be little acousticy moments, it is just quite bare, and then yeah. when it needs to be big, it, it's it's big, but it's it's certainly good quality production yeah. all the way through as well so no totally get that so what what's the what's the sort of manifesto of the band does it does it have a you know, well, it does what, we do it's funny you say that we never used to and i suppose manifesto of the band is just taking a spread hope and kind of positivity wherever we can and it sounds it is cliche but some of the best things are a bit cliche it's like there's i mean i love sad music you know i love sad music and uh, i can but i 
we don't want to play it. And some of the songs have got a reflective, but kind of life can be quite tough. And I think music that's uplifting and quite like and cheery and positive, we need as much of it as possible. And I just love the idea that these songs are because of the kind of new digital age. They're just all these different countries. People hear them. I mean, there's like somewhere in Italy, and there's been a number of different places. But it's just great to think of, yeah, the songs having an impact in somebody. And I used to be very kind of like competitive when I was younger and thinking like how where I wanted to get a band to be. But then, and it was all about volume. But then a few things happened to me, and I kind of learned a lot over the last from the last album. Somebody got in touch very briefly. Somebody got in touch, and they. They'd struggled this person, do you know I mean did some physical issues? I mean, really bad all this stuff. And they got in touch and they basically just said what they'd heard our songs on the radio. And they said what an impact it had over this just time over a couple of years. They started buying all our stuff and and talking about it. And it was just like it was funny because it, it changed completely how I think about music. Before I all I thought was about volume, you know, it's like being really popular or successful. But then it made me realise that it is about quality, really. Like, see that I won't mention it as a private matter for me, but the impact that this song had on that one individual was big impact on them, and that person really needed something positive. And the fact that what a song that I wrote is it's a total so flattering honoured that I was in that position that that song that was out in the airways helped this guy. But it made me think afterwards, made me reflect. I thought I wouldn't trade that for playing in Bob Dylan's band or touring in the Rolling Stones or getting single of the week in Radio 1 for three weeks running. I genuinely wouldn't trade it if somebody says, all right, okay, you can get that, but that guy's not going to hear that song, so he wouldn't have, you know. So it's kind of like that impact that ha had on him emotionally, that's worth mm. more than some transient flavour on the lips of somebody going, I could do, 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 do. I mean, it maybe made 10 million pounds, but... Did it really actually? And it made a lot of people happy, so I'm not knocking that song. It's a great song, but you know where I'm coming from. It's to me is would I rather a big chunk of money and having written some disposable, sweet, daft song, that, or have have an impact on somebody's life? And I suppose the answer is to have an impact. Well, like you see, that's the thing, isn't it? When you say, "Oh, you know, I could do black lace," that uh, it made loads of people. It's all it's it cool. actually it actually made loads and loads of people. You know. Um, miserable as well uh because yeah. i mean I, I mean the i think the thing is i was thinking about it while you were talking i was thinking then reflecting on your music and what what the what the overall aspect of it is and i think what it has is it has an emotional energy yeah. yes, right and i think i think that's i think that's the key here because it's the kind of music where when you go to listen to it i think you'll you'll be lifted by it but you'll you'll feel a sense of empathy at the same time curl communal empathy and that's that's why it will touch people whereas something like black lace we might all when you know if people have had a few drinks we might all have a dance to it or whatever but there you won't be left with anything afterwards yeah, yeah? and i think what you're saying is you're, you're trying to make music which i believe you have um you're trying to make music where people will be left with something more after imbibing yeah. it, you know. hundred percent. But I, for, I am, though, definitely. I, I don't think I'm doing it for myself, so that's what I kind of realised. See, when I was really young, when I was the first band at 17, we used to be in this band, and you recognise this, having been in bands. I'm like, we used to joke, and we'd be sitting around to give them 
hands a blag or something, we joke and we say, oh, we make music for ourselves, you know, and if MDL's likes it, it's a bonus. And then we would all roll a bit laughing because it was strictly not true. We did not make music for ourselves. <laughs> we made music because we wanted to be rich and famous. Categorically, that was it. And we enjoyed music and we loved playing music. But that was a primary aim for us. And it's actually weird to have got to the point where we genuinely... I, I'm accepting that I don't make music. Some people think oh, I make music to change the world or to spread the message or to make the world a better place. And a lot of time, I think that's just, I'm sure maybe they believe it, but to me, it's just ill advised nonsense. People are doing things for themselves. When people paint a picture, they're kind of painting it for themselves. They're not painting it for the person that will see it. And all the music and all the things I do in music is for selfish reasons because I want to express something. I don't always know what it is. And then, so actually, I found myself years later being in the position where genuinely I like the record now. And some, luckily, some other people like it. But that is the important thing that I want. And I mean, so it's like, I suppose I'm trying to say this, I'm trying to counter this idea I was maybe given that I was doing songs for an altruistic motive. I, I don't. I do songs for myself. But what is great is that first, I think because I'm quite pure of heart doing it, because I'm doing it for myself, and because I'm not trying to second guess anything or what people would like, there is that purity that has actually resonated with people. I just think I think that comes with a certain maturity of life as well, yeah. to be honest. I mean, I, I can remember when I first started in radio many, many years ago, and I, I, I totally appreciate what you're saying there because you know to begin with I, I i sucked at radio and the reason i sucked at radio was because i was just really focused on trying to be something uh -huh. you know and you'd you'd watch and listen to other people doing it and you'd go oh that, i, I want to be like that and uh -huh. be, be you know be as successful as that person and whatever and then when you know later on in life when you get to a point where you're just happy with who you are yeah and and what you know what other people get from you being you then that switches off and it's almost as though all of the kind of bs mode that you've got going on which actually mm -hmm. affects your performance absolutely and, and your output gets pushed away and suddenly what what you're doing is just something that you're proud of but the reason you're proud of it is because as you say it it touches you know one or two people it, mm -hmm. or, or it, it it works for it works for you ultimately in the first place um, but it's from a better point of view of it working for you it, it's a cure for you in a way or it's, yeah, it's what you so, really yeah. what you really feel passionate about it's why i started this show i you know i didn't need to start this show i mean i, I think that's another thing as well if you don't need it to happen that's uh, right then it's more important or it's more real and more wow. authentic you know i didn't need to start this i didn't you know no one was you know paying me money to start this etc but I said I want to I want to do this this program because uh, you know I have a love of music and I and I also think that there are a load of people out there interviewing people about music which in the most dreadful way. <laughs> Sorry, folks, but stop doing no, it. Absolutely, but, but you're very natural now. So whatever you were trying to do before in radio, you've obviously don't do anymore. Because that's the thing is, is once you actually, you're just, you're talking. Like this is just, it's, it's very, very natural, you know, which is, yeah, which is a good thing. You're right, yeah. Nathan. You do, uh, age, with age comes some wisdom, I think, do you mean? But, uh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. And you stop, in a way, you stop that kind of looking at the script 
and you stop, you know, you stop trying to, you trying to stop meeting expectations which are not right for you or anybody else at all. You know, hence why you get still get. <laughs> And a little bit of advice for anybody out there. If you're still asking musicians about what their favorite biscuit is, stop it right now. <laughs> what color? You know, because, oh, yeah, color, animal, whatever. Because quite frankly, these people have spent time and effort working on albums. They they really want to talk about music and stuff like that, you know, not not biscuits. <laughs> okay. well, so, well, on that note, we are delighted with the response so far. I mean, the album's only out a week. And uh, it's, yeah, we've just been really, really lucky. You know, it's like very lucky. Um, well, I think I think I think people will love this album. If you've, if you've enjoyed listening to to Warren today, you want to hear all of those blends of different different sounds. You want to hear some of the wisdom of his time on Earth as well. Um, then, where can people go and hear your album, sir? Well, only a couple of the tracks are on Spotify at the moment, but uh, there's lots of the other albums that are all on Spotify. The last one, Do It With Love, which was pretty well. Uh, so again, they can look at, we see if you just Google, the easiest thing is they can look at Foxstar Records, but see if somebody just Googles Starry Skies, Small Wonders, loads of stuff will come up. Yeah, Starry Skies, Small Wonders, various things there will come you go. Up. Yeah, no, no one can forget that. Starry Skies, Small Wonders, Google it, find them on Twitter, find them on Insta, give them a follow. Um, you know, all those little follows really help as well because it helps the band to keep in touch with, with you, um, you know, and uh, enjoy their music, folks. I'm sure you absolutely will. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to Likewise, you. Likewise, really enjoyed it, Graham. Thanks so much for having me. It's great. Thank you. No problem at all. I shall now go and do what I need to do, which is get the kids to the dentist. Important things in life like that. <laughs> um, and keep listening to music, folks. Bye yeah. for now.